0: Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the fantastic Ed Walker, founder of Pica Catering and Bloom Coffee. Coming up on today's show. Ed recounts an
1: out of depth moment. He sat right down the far end on his own and he basically put his hand on the table and said, right, you've got five minutes, go.
0: More heavy hitting journalism from Phil. Are you a Latte artist yourself? And Phil nearly falls off his chair
1: after this. And I listened to one of your podcasts the other day and it did make me laugh.
0: All that and so much more as Ed talks us through his story and journey to date. It's a talk full of life lessons that take him forward into the creation of two fantastic enterprises. We'll be following his progress and wish him well. Don't forget to give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today's guest is from the world of contract catering, or certainly was. I'm sure we'll talk about that in, uh, in a bit more detail. Having worked for some very well-known brands such as Holroyd, Howe and Baxter Story, he's now the founder of not one but two businesses, which is Fika Catering, which I may have mispronounced, and Bloom Coffee Academy. I am delighted to welcome Ed Walker.
1: Hi, Phil. Good to meet you. Thanks very much for having me on.
0: You're very, very welcome. Did I get the pronunciation right or wrong?
1: Well, uh, Fika is how I would say it. I think you were pretty close. To, it might have just been the slight, slight, slight twang in your in your accent, but That's yeah, right. you, you did pretty well.
0: <laughs> as uh, as Scots just put our own uh, spin on everything. To be honest, <laughs> how are you anyway?
1: So yeah, life's life's good. Obviously, as you as you said. You know, it's a big, big change actually for, for for me, and you know, right in the middle of, of this pandemic as well, or or ho- hopefully just coming out the other end of the pandemic. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, it's all change, but yeah, it's it's exciting, and um, no, it's it's things things are going well.
0: Yeah, I have to say, you've definitely. We'll obviously talk about your journey and story to this point shortly, but I think you're probably the first person I've had on the show who has founded two businesses in a pandemic um so yeah. i'm i'm assuming that you're uh, a glutton for punishment
1: well yeah yeah, it could be. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it, it could go down in history for you know one of two ways couldn't it? it could could be the worst worst decision of my life or it could be the best decision of my life and uh, <laughs> any time would any time will tell yeah but no i mean you know my 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 story really is is that um you know, I, I got to to fifteen years with my last company, which which was fantastic, and I've actually had five years in the industry before that, so twenty years in the industry as a whole. And you know, I, I turned forty one just uh, last month, right. um, and I and yeah, I I just thought I I need to make a bit of a change. You know, I wasn't wasn't massively fulfilled. I was enjoying my job, uh, you know, worked with some really really great people. However, I just thought if I don't do this now you know I, I could regret it and yeah we're in a pandemic and and that is naturally going to come with its its uh, challenges but at the same time you know that there's hopefully going to be some opportunities along the way uh, as well yeah. so
0: yeah i think that that's that's absolutely the the thing isn't it i mean it, it will always depend on your your individual outlook on things but the, the fact of the matter is is that a lot of people and businesses are are pressing the reset button right now mm. so you know that is going to present opportunity in business so i'm guessing you're you could have picked actually one of the best times in the history of the world to start a business because uh, everybody's looking to you know within as to am i doing the right thing am i aligned with the right companies they're asking themselves all of these different questions
1: yeah yeah no that's right, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. A, a reset you know is is going to take place and is taking place and And uh, you know what, what, one of the things was was that when when I kind of started looking at what what I wanted to do, it was very much based around that word fulfillment and lack of fulfillment. and it's funny because you know you said uh, you know I'm starting, starting two businesses that that wasn't the original plan, the original right. plan. The original plan was actually right let's help people that's what i knew i wanted to do i read i read a i read a book and there was a part in it that said something along the lines of if today was my last day on earth you know would i be happy with what i've achieved and you know there's a lot of big questions like that i think that people have been kind of facing during covid and yeah and i i thought you know i i feel like i i i do have an influence on people and you know i'm living the best life i can. However, There's still something was missing so i thought right i'm going to start a social enterprise and i'm going to i've got got some links in the salvation army and i grew up in the salvation army when i was younger and i thought right i'm going to start a social enterprise i'm going to follow the change please model which if 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 you don't know change please or if you know any listeners don't know change please they're they're a social enterprise they've been going for, for around five years or so and it's a very very simple model. They train homeless people. Uh, they support them. They train them to become baristas. Uh, they give them a qualification, and then they give them a job on the living wage. And you know, I've seen them grow and grow and grow, and help more and more people, uh, and and you know, tap into lots of different industries as well. Mm. And and I just thought, I, I I can I can do that. It's not about competing or anything like that. You know, it, it's just. I've got the connections in the Salvation Army and making coffee is not rocket science of course you you know don't get me wrong it it is it's about making them the best baristas that they can be especially if you're getting them a job at the end of it and
0: yeah. um,
1: but essentially it's a very trainable skill and I just thought that that that's where I'm going to start
0: yeah well I mean it's also I mean coffee's a it's a massive industry you know notwithstanding the the, the majority of the working People probably have at least a cup a day, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I'd imagine, it's a really great stepping stone to branch outwards from there. It's it's the first step for somebody to kind of, I suppose, turn their their life around a little bit and and start moving forward in a different direction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's been really quite eye opening, actually just just in doing the research and and meeting the, the the people that are you know going to be supporting me and, and that sort of thing you know there are charities uh, out there that that almost get paid per person so each person that they get onto a training scheme or that they get into employment they get they get paid for that and so it starts to become a bit of a numbers a numbers thing which which obviously is not ideal yeah salvation army don't work like that they don't get paid per person it's just a genuine uh, support so that works perfectly for me because as a social enterprise again i'm not getting paid whether I get one person a year through or whether I get 300 people a year through. So it's yeah. very much, you know, they, these people will, will, will be referred to us. We'll train them depending how, you know, how they get on. It could take six weeks before they're certified and we, we get them into a role, or it could be, you know, like I say, six months. And that is absolutely fine. You know, they're all, they've all got their own stories. They're all, they're all going to learn at their own pace. And, mm. you know, I, I'm really kind of looking forward to,
0: to, to it on with that yeah well I, I mean also let's be real here about the, the the wider world okay we're going through something very unique right now but just before all this happened one of the biggest issues facing the industry as a whole was was staffing yeah. and that problem has probably gone away for the short term but not as soon as we get back to any kind of degree of normal normal business levels
1: yeah no I could, yeah now you're absolutely right
0: and you know you're you're also then doing your bit by you're bringing more people into the industry basically.
1: Yeah, no, that's right, absolutely. And you know we we know you know there's as you said it's a massive massive industry. Coffee's not going anywhere. And yeah, I, th- I think it's a great route to to have your first step into hospitality.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd imagine a massive part of that is confidence building as well. Just in terms of simple things that maybe we take for granted, like you know having conversations with people, um, yeah. is reinstilling that confidence back into to helping them move forward.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, it's, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's so much more, and so, so part of our curriculum that we've kind of built is is yes, of course, it's the background to coffee and, and the bean and where it all comes from, right from the start um and it's all all the way through to the fun stuff like the latte art and, and yeah uh, you know the coffee extraction but actually yeah there's a lot more more as you've said so you know whether that's customer service you know whether it's coffee foraging and and taking taking some of these people who may not have stepped into a coffee bar for many many years you know that that's an education in itself this is yeah. what this is this is what it feels like watch this person watch how they you know make this experience great for someone or let's take them somewhere actually not so good what what, what have you spotted here that you know did, did not go so well and it's just you know it weren't working with them I suppose until they get to the point where they're not only certified and and, and you know they've got that qualification but they're really super super confident that they can uh, make someone's day I think that's really important
0: yeah brilliant are you a latte artist yourself
1: no no <laughs> no and and you'll laugh at this I, I i you know i get get a lot of flack for it i don't actually drink coffee oh. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm a, I'm a big tea tea drinker i appreciate coffee and that's that's always been my answer i massively appreciate coffee and how important it, it is but no i don't drink coffee
0: yeah <laughs> Do you know? i didn't like coffee for the first 25 years of my life and uh, and then i worked in a coffee shop Funnily enough, while I was travelling around Australia, and I just kept trying it, I kept on thinking, "If how am I supposed to be able to recommend stuff to people if I don't drink the stuff myself?" Yeah, and so I, 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 I suppose I weaned myself onto it, uh, as opposed to it being something that I immediately connected with. But I, um, yeah. I do like a, I do like a mug in the morning.
1: Do you? Are you just a, just a one mug a day kind of it, guy?
0: It, it, it depends on the day, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and Mondays I usually have more than than any other day. I don't know why that is. Uh, yeah, but there's uh, probably some deep psychological problem in there with me that I need to get fixed. But anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think, but from from my point of view, you know, not not drinking coffee isn't isn't a big deal. It just means that I, you know, it makes it even more important that I have people around me. Who are the experts? That that's the key to
0: it, I think. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's probably the key to to leadership. In in a nutshell, as well, mm. um, is that you can't be the master of all things. You know, you, that's why you hire people to to fill in your blanks, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Really, really key. Really important.
0: Great stuff. Well, uh, we're um, we've kind of uh, done this the wrong way round, but I suppose there's no right or wrong way to have a conversation, is there? So, um, but take us all the way back to the beginning of your, your career. How did you get into to hospitality in the first place?
1: Right, okay. Well, I finished school uh, and like lots of kids, you got a choice. You, you know, you, you choose to go down the university route or you choose otherwise. And I chose otherwise. I went to look at a couple of universities and if I'm being really honest, I think I was probably trying to tick the box for, for my parents. Uh, I'm not massively academic, and right. and I thought, you know, I'm going to have a lot of fun, but I don't know if it's going to necessarily you know, get me to, to where I want to be or help me. So I, I, I went down a different route, and I did a thing called a GNVQ Advanced in hospitality and catering. Right, yep. I'm not sure what the equivalent is now, but it's it's a much more practical uh, well, it mixes actually uh, a, bit, a bit of theory and a bit of the practical world of hospitality. Yeah. So that's the route I did. If I go back one step, it was probably the influence of my dad that that got me into that route. My my dad used to work for uh, Gardner Merchant and Jay Lyons uh, and and a couple of other other companies that were yep. around in those days. Um. And he got he got got in the end to 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 be in a managing director of of a couple of companies. So I, I remember in the really early days, you know, getting summer jobs through him. And I used to kind of might be a pot wash or or it might be sort of just, you know, stacking stacking the shelves in, in some of the business and industry units just yeah. in the summer months. That's kind of my first taste, I suppose, of it. And I listened to one of your podcasts the other day and it did make me laugh. Uh, you were talking about potato rumblers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my favorite and- ever machine. Yeah, well, they they were brilliant, unless unless you were you know put on them for hours and hours on end, which yeah. I which I quite often was as a sort of young, you know, underage trainee, I suppose.
0: I guess you you went home rumbling yourself.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I can still um, still hear the noise. Thankfully, I I, I wasn't uh, hands on to that degree. I was just uh, leading teams that that were using these machines, these just these wonderful, wonderful machines. I hadn't even contemplated what what damage you might be doing to yourself just by being (laughs) on it all day. Uh
1: well I it was almost I felt like it was almost punishment and almost, you know, I wasn't good enough to do anything else other than keep, you know, putting these potatoes in the top of this machine. Yeah. (laughs) But but you know, you've got to start somewhere and you know I took took a bit of pride in doing that. So yeah, so I did a bit of pot wash and basic kitchen prep. Uh, and then, like I say, I went. I went to college, did, did this NVQ, GNVQ, and then after that, I, I kind of, I, I, I needed to make a, a decision as to which road I was going to go down. Because during that course, you get to, you get to try out, you know, and experience working hotels. You know, whether that's front yeah. front of house, concierge, whether it's housekeeping, whether it's in the kitchen. Uh, we did various other, you know, different different routes that you could go down in terms of restaurants or whatever else and I kind of made that decision that although I enjoyed being in the kitchen I didn't didn't think I had it in me I didn't have enough passion to be a chef and to to, to become a chef full-time so I made the decision I was very lucky I got on to a course called uh, which was a management trainee course and um, it was one year and it was with a company called Director's Table oh yeah yep. Yeah. which Back then was a brilliant company. It was part of Gardener Merchant, and it was run by this fabulous guy called Rodney Witherson, who who was a very, very old school managing director, immaculately dressed, you know, shirt, tie, very expensive suit. And when he came to to kind of visit, and and you know, if you ever went to hear him talk or interacted with him, it was almost it was that same kind of feeling as if you're kind of gonna meet royalty or you know something like that especially when you're a young trainee so i did i did i did this management trainee course came out of that with pretty good good results and went straight into my first job which was midland bank uh, which is now obviously hsbc and that was in a in a a really cool building which is i think it's number one poultry just near bank station so this Um,
0: this was in catering this wasn't in banking
1: no, sorry. Yeah. Just, no, should have made that clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was my first contract that I went to become assistant manager for the restaurant and the hospitality within within that bank. So, yep. you know, I guess in those days, the the people that worked in in the bank would bring their clients in, and they'd have you know very important meetings and you know investment meetings and things like that. And we would we would essentially feed them. Uh, so it wasn't open to the public. It was it was very much, I guess, client entertaining. Right. Yeah. Um, that building, incidentally, is is now called the Ned. It's a hotel. They turned it into a hotel. Oh, my life.
0: Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 breathtaking property it when is. you walk in. Yeah. I hadn't I hadn't uh, joined the dots there actually.
1: Yeah. So so I mean now I love or before lockdown at least I loved going going in there because. I could still picture as you walk in you know they kept obviously a lot a lot of the old features haven't they yeah, of yeah, yeah what an old bank would have been but I you know distinctly remember walking in those big revolving doors and they used to have all the cash tellers on the right hand side where you'd queue up and you know pay your money and the things mm. yeah it's it's fantastic now that somebody has done such an amazing job of, of bringing it back to life you know for for the uh, for the restaurant world and the hotel yeah. world
0: and haven't they done a cracking job? It's um, oh, stunning. It's it's just a has a, a whole life of its own. That place. It's just constantly buzzing.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I think that was the objective, wasn't it? It was to it was to feel a little bit like a, I suppose, a platform, a station, kind of thing. It's just you know, it's constantly on the go.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. It does it does feel like it doesn't matter what time you go in there. You know, obviously pre COVID, it was always very very busy. Great great atmosphere. Yeah, it's really, really great to see it.
0: Yeah, and you get you get to visualize it in a different way, having worked there before. It was a hotel.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, so no, so that 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 was my first job. I was an assistant manager, and you know, naturally, at that sort of age, you you learn as you go in terms of having a having having a mentor. You sometimes learn the hard way. Yeah, I I, I remember actually it was my birthday once while I was there. And I couldn't understand what what they were doing, but they were filling up one one particular big double sink. They said you know couldn't be touched for the day, and they were, it was filling up. And basically, they were putting fish guts. They were putting old you know any leftovers, any food prep. It was gradually filling up. It was getting really quite smelly. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't work out what they were doing. And it turned out because it was my birthday, I got to the got to sort of the end of the day when it was absolutely full, and uh, and they picked me up dumped me in it tipped it all over my head you know oh. and you know this these days you just that's <laughs> just not a done thing is it you I never just, get away I just with could that.
0: not get away with that now could you the no. um that reminds me when I, I worked on ships we used to do this thing called um crossing the equator right and it was like this traditional thing where you um you do a ceremony and offer up something to to the god of the sea and and all of that sort of thing and it's there, there was a passenger version that we did which was very kind of tongue-in-cheek and very uh, very light-hearted and then there was a crew version that happened later that evening and if, if you got basically put through this ceremony if it was your first time and crossing the equator and yeah. the well let's just put it this way the um the passenger one was a lot of fun the crew one was less so <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, the 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 things that you would get dunked in were effectively, you know, that day's horrifying leftovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, from all departments, butchery and yeah, oh, gosh. I'll leave it there. Yeah,
1: no, but as, as you say that, you know, I was going to say, sadly, that's, you're not allowed to do that sort of thing anymore. I don't know if it's that <laughs> sad, really. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, it's character building, isn't it? That's what it was.
1: Absolutely, that's what it is. Yeah. And
0: trying to get the smell of fish out of your... Um, every part of you oh, gosh, for yeah. for days afterwards it's just a really joyous experience isn't it
1: absolutely absolutely yeah so yeah that, so that was that was kind of uh, midland bank and without you know i won't get into tons and tons of detail but really over the following i would say five or six years i then went uh you know spent a couple of years in each place and I, I, I kind of worked my way through the ranks, from being an assistant manager of, of you know, quite a nice site like that, to being an assistant manager of a, a, an even bigger site. And then I, I, at one stage, I got my first break to become my first catering manager of a, of a location. Yep. And I remember really, really vividly, and again, it all comes down to opportunity. Uh, I remember being given that opportunity and, and I got the role and I was, quite surprised, actually, that that I had got it. And I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I've got to look after not only the, the food, you know, making sure that people uh, are not being poisoned, and you know, they're getting really great food. I've got yeah. to look after the service, I've got to make sure the client likes me and, and you know, I don't lose a contract while I'm looking after it. I've got all the health and safety side, I've got to start making money and showing that I can make money for this contract. It was a real I, I guess I, I don't want to say it was a, a jump into the deep end because as an assistant, you know, you are learning all these things, but you don't take it a hundred percent responsibility because there's always someone. So if something goes wrong, it's never really your fault. There's somebody else that will take the rat. As soon as you've got your own site, you know, the buck stops with you. And, um, you know, that's quite an eye opener.
0: Yeah. God, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, not a lot's made of the jumps up, is it really? But, Of course, when you're kind of young and hungry, you're going to take any kind of opportunity that comes your way. Yeah, yeah. But I I think a lot of us do that without thinking about, oh, God, am I actually, am I ready for this? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, And I I also think that's where you learn very, very quickly, you know, how important people are around Mm. you. You know, you can't do these things on your own. Yeah. And, you know, I remember one of the sites where I, I was... Uh, this was probably going going a few few years forward again. Uh, and I became the manager of quite a large site. I and mean, it's worth quite, you know, probably a couple of million, I'd say, in turnover. And I was looking for an executive chef. And I had a couple of options that came within budget. And then one particular chef that I knew really, really well, who I never thought would even be an option for me as an executive chef, he came onto my radar. Uh, and I knew that I couldn't afford him. He's too expensive. However, I knew that if I could stretch that budget, then I'd make the money back and he would almost, you know, be the success of me. So mm. he actually, I actually ended up employing him on more money than I was on at the time as a general manager, right. uh, which, which is a, you know, that's the odd, that's, that's the wrong way around really. <laughs> um, it should, should be the other way, but actually that was the best decision I could have made because together we were such a great team, and we made that 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 site, you know, real flagship that that a lot of people talked about. People came to us for ideas, and you know, I almost put put to one side the fact that he was paid more than me because ultimately he was making me successful. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I think that's actually that's genius. I, I think a lot's made of salaries, right? But uh, and, and salary structures as yeah. a recruiter, that's that's something I I come across frequently you know there's a a political reason why you can't pay somebody more than x because that's going to put somebody else's nose out of joint yeah but in actual fact in your circumstance there you what, what you've done is is that you've actually looked at what was the best decision for the business yeah and you reap the benefit
1: yeah that's right absolutely so so yeah i would you know for 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 people that have maybe you know get themselves into that situation I, I would recommend and I would do the same again if I was in that situation yeah that's a good 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 learn
0: identifying you where the opportunity is to to get somebody in that can really add value to what you're doing
1: yeah that's right yeah Um so I then joined I did a small stint with eat and fine dining they they were a really really small very very motivated contract catering company uh, yep. They got they got taken over by ISS uh, at, at okay. some stage, yep. and then I then I joined a company called Wholefood How, and this was really the, I, I guess the, the 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 turning point where again they were small, very passionate, focused team that were passionate about fresh food. People was at the heart of everything they did, and they were small enough company that you didn't feel like you were a number. You felt like actually you know, I know everybody in this company almost, and it's a really, it's almost a family feel to it. Yeah. So I got taken around, uh, my first day with Nick Howe, one of the founders and a guy called Dennis Stoner, who's a, a real kind of colorful character and, you know, very, very passionate talking about the, the locations they look after and what's important. And, and, you know, I, I, I guess I, I liked that, you know, I liked I, I I almost absorbed the passion that they were selling me, absorbed it and and that's what helped me uh, continue you know in the the years that followed yeah i I actually it was it was Holwood howe where I got my first taste of a commercial contract so in in our industry, uh, especially back then it was very much a situation where you had cost plus clients uh, which basically means, the client will pick up all the costs, even if you don't hit your sales targets or you know if you overspend your labour, the client will always pick up the bill. However, I was working in this particular site called Vantage West in Brentford, and it was it was a commercial contract. We had to make make it work, otherwise it would be our loss, Holwood House loss. And there were not enough people in the building. I think they'd sold it to us. There was more people in the building than there really was. Right. Uh, and uh, I got Rick Hullway to come in to, to to meet me. Again, I was the catering manager, but I was still you know, fairly junior.
0: Mm.
1: And he came in, he sat down, we had a cup of coffee and he said, Ed, this isn't going to work unless we can get more sales through and more footfall through, through the restaurant. He said, I need you to think outside of the box here, forget everything you've been taught. I need you to go out outside of these doors and start visiting, you know, all the other offices that are close by. And, you know, essentially, I had to drum up my own business, which i would never done before, outside of those doors. I had to drum up my own business to offer hospitality that we could deliver in or, you know, do a deal to see if maybe if they didn't have caterers, that they could walk, walk across the road and come into our restaurant. And, you know, right. it was, it, that, again, it was a real life, not only because the founder of the company had asked me personally to, to make it work, but that was a challenge you know, if, if I failed that challenge, my own job really, you know, could be not quite so safe there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was quite an interesting time.
0: Yeah. But again, this is another situation where it kind of makes or breaks you, right. Where you're, you've been tasked with doing something that you don't, I suppose, naturally have been taught how to do before. That's right. So what do you do? You've got to get on with it. Right.
1: Absolutely. There's no other choice, is there? Yeah. 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 so, so no, I, I was I was fairly fortunate. I was quite successful there, and uh, I, I probably did eighteen months there. And then it was time for me to move on again, you know, for my own career progression. Yeah, um, it's also
0: quite a, a tough thing to do. Like if you're a, a pret on the high street or something like that, where you know people just walk by you, uh, and they they can choose to to jump in or not. That's one thing you're going to pick up natural footfall from that anyway. But I suppose when when you're an internal without a shop front facing restaurant that's that's a different ballgame altogether in terms of trying to attract business from outside of the business that you're there yeah that's right
1: yeah no you're absolutely right i mean i was quite fortunate that that position that that particular one was there wasn't a huge amount around it right so they either did have their own caterers the other buildings in which case you know i didn't really stand much of a chance or as i say they didn't have caterers and and uh, you know, I could convince them and tempt them across with special, special rates and special deals, and hopefully, you know, once they've experienced it, then you know they'll return again. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what, what happened next? Where, where did you go next?
1: Uh, so then, uh, shortly after that, Baxter Story took over Hollywood Howe, which I was a bit nervous about initially because Baxter Story were were a lot bigger. However, it was very, very clear, very, very quickly that Baxter Story had exactly the same values as Hollywood Howe. And I was very, very comfortable with Baxter Story coming in and and taking over. And and, I I was hopeful that that would also give me further opportunities working in a larger company. Um, And and it absolutely did. So I, I went up through the ranks from probably at that stage, a general manager of a pretty big site, I went into an operations manager role, uh, which, which means that you, rather than looking after one client and being based in one location, you might start off with maybe five other clients that you're, you know, you're responsible for. Right. And over time and, you know, being given opportunities over a number of years, the numbers went up and then I, I got promoted to an accounts director, which means that you essentially have a couple of ops managers. Working for you, and they've all got their own sites. And then subsequently to, to an operations director, which is where I, I finished my time with Baxter Story. But you know, to, to, to give you an idea of, of, of that scenario, I, you know, I've almost gone from being a you know doing doing a bit of summer summer work, doing the, the ru- tater rumbler and the uh, you know the no. washing up, <laughs> to, to, to doing my training and becoming a, an assistant manager, uh, all the way up to finishing currently with a, a, as an ops director, you know, in, in that world, we're talking about probably something like 35 clients, 450 employees maybe that reported, you know, not directly to me, but underneath me and kind of maybe £30 million worth of turnover for for yeah. Story in London. So, you know, when you kind of step back and look at that, that's quite quite an achievement over, over that sort of 18, 19 years.
0: Yeah, no doubt and especially for someone who, you know, is a self-proclaimed non-academic, look at all the um the kind of academic things that you have to to be very good at to be a successful mm. ops director. Mm. Uh, you know, the the obvious one being finance. Yeah. You know, you've got to know what's coming in and going out across yeah. multiple parts of your business. Yeah. And if something's not working, you've got to be able to I, I suppose identify these things before they become too much of a problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that does come with experience and yeah. it comes with mentorship and people coaching you over the years. And, you know, you, you've got to be pretty switched on to, to want to understand it as well. But I suppose when you go get to that sort of operations director level and ops manager level, you're really only as successful as, as you want it to be because you're going to be sitting in front of the client and you're going to have to explain the ins and outs of you know the situations and it, you know don't get me wrong you might get one or two fairly forgiving clients that that understand that you might make the odd mistake here or there but there are plenty of clients out there that that won't give you that chance and you learn the hard way yeah um, yeah
0: i did a short stint in uh, contract catering with restaurant associates and we had uh, a client that was on the unforgiving side let's put it that way yeah yeah <laughs> they were um yeah they were hardcore but um you know, you kind of understand why. I mean, you know, they're trying to provide a, a service to to their teams, right? And and that has to be successful. Yeah. And but yeah, but some are more reasonable than others. I I would bet.
1: Yeah, I, I remember. You know, it wasn't even on the finance side, but I do remember going in. It was one one particular senior client that I I only ever saw once a year. That's the only time he'd ever 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 allow me. And he had a bit of a reputation. And I I, I remember going in for the first time. Uh, and I sat down. I uh, presented, you know, I'd had had all this really good report, and I've made it really visual, and and uh, you know I was quite pumped up, ready ready for him. And uh, he turned up late for a start, which made me even more nervous because I'd sort of built up, you know, this nervousness inside me. Mm. We were in quite a quite a quite a big room with a sort of a boardroom table, and he sat right down the far end when he arrived. Sat right down the far end on his own, and he basically. Put his hand on the table and said, "Right, you've got five minutes. Go." Um, and <laughs> and I, and I, honestly, I, I I didn't know what to do because I've I've made this massive presentation. I thought I think we had about forty five minutes in the diary. Right. I didn't know what you know what what does he want me to tell him in five minutes? Fortunately, I think it's one of those things with with it's not even just clients, but I think in general, just with people, if you try to show them that you're just being honest and open and you've got you know you're doing your absolute best to to give them the best possible service then you know generally you you can get away with a fair amount and and that's what i did you know i i I was just trying to be as as compassionate and and friendly as i as i could be yeah and and we had a great relationship from there onwards yeah
0: certainly my experience was is that they're absolutely not interested in excuses when something doesn't go the way that it should. And I, I remember this situation whereby I came in, we'd, we were just mobilizing a new contract. We were taken over from a, an old contract caterer and there, they had three sites and one kind of very small satellite site that we had to service from one of our other sites. And one of the major bugbears that they'd had with the previous incumbents were, was the fact that when there was a... a a series of private functions on over lunch is that the um, they couldn't have hot food options it was only cold food because it was being served from a different site and that there was an awful lot of balls ups uh, in terms of what was promised versus what was delivered Mm -hmm. and I just remember being sat down I was the uh, catering general manager and I remember getting sat down by my ops manager saying if there's one thing that you cannot get wrong it's that you have, yeah. you we've got to really hit the ground running with that and I, I remember three weeks into it i i never think this is one of my her- most horrific moments of my career getting a phone call at um at sort of about 10 past 12 saying uh where's the food for the meeting from this satellite and i didn't have it written down anywhere and i would literally just clean forgotten to uh to facilitate it okay. you know when you have that moment whereby you know, your your neck starts turning red, and you know yeah. you just feel your world caving in around you. And I just literally just had to put my hand up and say it's a hundred percent my error, a hundred percent nobody else's fault. I went, let me go over to the client and I'll sit in front of them and and explain that um that you know that's completely me, and and let's work out a way to figure out that that just does not happen again. Yeah. And they and they were cool with it. I mean, ultimately, not initially, but. <laughs> It is that um, definitely don't hide from errors. Errors are going to happen. Yeah, I think you've just got to own them when they do, and then figure out a way to to get past it.
1: Absolutely, you know we're all human, aren't we? At the end of the day, and yeah. uh, it doesn't matter what level what level you are. We're all human. We all make mistakes. In fact, you know that's it's quite quite an interesting point. During my time at Baxter Story, we had quite a lot of graduates come through, uh, and so we would always have. I'd always you know year after year I'd have, have a graduate to kind of mentor and, and coach and you know one of one of my one, one of the things that when they're sort of asking you questions and, and asking you know uh, what would you do in this situation or what advice have you got for this situation there's there's one piece of advice that I would always give well in fact there's two pieces that I would always give one is that and and don't don't take this the wrong way but but we're all blagging our way through life to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and and I genuinely feel that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a graduate or you're just starting out in the, in the industry and you're, you know, you're making things up as you go along because you haven't got the knowledge or the experience necessarily. You're, you're, to a certain degree, you're blagging it all the way up to, you know, some, some, you know, if you're a CEO or you're, you're, you're going to always be put in a situation until your deathbed, you're going to be put in a situation that you haven't been in before. And you've got to, you've got to not necessarily blag, but you know, you've got to find your way through it. Um, And so I always look
0: at the the world we're in now. I mean, nobody's had experience of navigating this in their lifetime.
1: No, absolutely. So, so I I always say, don't, don't apologize for, for sort of blagging your way through life as long as as long as you're doing the absolute best that you can, um, you know, and and you come out come out the other end, hopefully intact, you know, still with a good reputation, even if you've made a few mistakes along the way. You know, you've got to be real, and and you know, you'll you'll do fine.
0: Yeah, but um, well, the, the learning comes from the mistakes half the time, doesn't it? Well, you hope it yeah. does.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. And um, and the the other the other bit of advice I always, I always used to give was to respect every level, every person that you come across both in life, but also in, in, in work. Yeah. Somebody will always have something to teach you. So again, you know, we, 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 we had one or two, two people that came through the graduate scheme who already thought well, I'm coming out of university, I've got this you know great big degree. Uh, and when we, when we put them, for example, in, in the kitchen to do a little stint in there or, you know, on a hot counter, they wouldn't necessarily. Be quite as open and friendly as they as they should have been to the people that are working in in the roles there because they thought you know I'm coming out of university and I, I you know I don't need to listen listen to this person who's just serving food for example yeah. well that's the biggest mis- mistake you can make firstly because the people that are in those roles have a story and are experienced a lot of the time and do still have a lot to a lot of knowledge and expertise to be able to give. That, that, that maybe the graduate hasn't been in yeah uh, and secondly if, if you treat that person uh, you know with with if you don't treat that person with the respect that they they deserve then they're not going to share and impart that knowledge on on you so you know we, we, we saw that on a number of occasions where you know somebody was treated in in a, in a bad way they then then or you know in a disrespectful way then actually that person wouldn't share the knowledge or the skill that they had and therefore that graduate has missed out on that opportunity yeah so you know you've got to you've got to respect everybody at whatever level they are and and everybody has something to give so you know you've got to accept that and absorb absorb it all i think in the early days
0: yeah i i do you know i think of uh, what we're on now well we're probably approaching about 70 episodes by the time that uh, that this one's aired right. and that's Possibly the single best piece of advice that I've had on this show so far because I just I'm a massive believer in the the mutual respect thing I think yeah. so much more positive stuff happens when there is this culture of mutual respect at every level yeah you know and it notwithstanding from a business's perspective how much more engaged somebody will be with your business if they feel like they are respected and that they have a voice and that, that, you know, and even if they don't want to have a voice that you respect that um, yeah, as yeah. well. It's um, I think it's, it's massively important, especially yeah. because we see this a, a lot, you know, when I could take a, a brief from a, a client to find a new restaurant general manager for a brand new opening in central London, high profile, la la la, all these kind of bells and whistles. And you find someone who comes from that type of background and you think you know from a cultural perspective, it seems to work. From a uh, an on paper perspective, it seems to work. And then you know they come into an environment where they they think they you know they they're the only one that's ever done this kind of role before, and they start imparting the wrong type of almost disrespect into the business, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to respecting the people who are uh, have been there for. And that's just it's a very loose example. It's not a specific mm-hmm. example that I have. It's just something that I ca- that came into my brain. Yeah. But ultimately, you, you know, none of us can know everything about everything, so you have to be open to learning from any angle that it comes at you.
1: Yeah. Up,
0: yeah. up, down, sideways, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I completely agree, and I think if you can learn that very early on in your career, then that will help you. You know, that will go so so far as, as you know as you go through the years. Yeah. Uh, and you come across more and more people. So.
0: Yeah, and and as you you say, even if you if you're fortunate enough to make it to to CEO level or found your own business at at some point, don't don't ever lose that because you still don't know it all.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, very wise.
0: But this is turning into a lecture, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you were ops director at Backs the Story, which I suppose kind of takes you up to the your your pivot point for want of a better phrase into into what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I, I uh, finished with that story at the end of December. uh, And I launched uh, in January 2021, Bloom Coffee Academy, uh, which which I mentioned at the start of the uh, the podcast. Yeah. uh, And, and, and Fika, which is essentially a, a, a catering company, catering, hospitality and wellness company, mainly around London and you know, we'll do anything really from specialty coffee bars to theatre cookery to hospitality and events. And and the idea really is that gradually we'll grow Fika and we'll win clients across a number of different industries. And the, the people that come through the Bloom Coffee Academy, once they're trained and they're certified and they're ready to to integrate, then the idea is that they'll then come across to Fika and we'll employ them on, on the... Um, you know, the the real living wage as a minimum and yeah. continue the support you know to try and keep them in in employment that that's the that's
0: the key yeah i, I can imagine that uh, just having the the day-to-day support i think is a i've had a couple of charity guys on from only a pavement away and the clink and yeah. they they talk around that being massively important it's not just about giving them the skills it's about giving them the support after the fact
1: yeah no that's 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 exactly right and and from my point of view that that's why the Salvation Army is also such a key partnership in there because they you know they support them in the lead up to the referral through the course itself and post course which means of course you know I need to make sure myself and my team are are very very patient and you know treat these people maybe with more care i suppose as 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 they go through the course however we've got the the salvation army there as as the expertise to 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 make sure that it you know it's a successful Round.
0: yeah absolutely how do you how do you fund that are you are you set up as a a charity or how, how does that work uh
1: we funded ourselves well i say we funded ourselves we haven't funded ourselves that's a lie yeah (laughs) <laughs> We've we, we set ourselves up as a, a, a CIC, which is a social enterprise, community interest company, uh, right. and that means it's uh, by car- by guarantee, and it, it means it's not uh, profit making at all. So, so essentially, I, I've got space for the Coffee Coffee Academy, which is linked with the Salvation Army. Yep. Uh, I've I've got Modern Standard Coffee, which is uh, uh, an artisan roaster. They're kind of helping and sponsoring the, the kit and, and the coffee side. And for the first year, I, I'm, uh, I'm relying on a couple of grants to pay for the actual trainer. Yep. However, as part of the business plan, once we get hopefully to a certain point, which which will be around about a year, 12 to 14 month point, Fika will will start to fund Bloom through the coffee. So uh, five, five pounds of every kilo of coffee that's sold through Fika will come directly into the social enterprise. So it should start after about 12 to 14 months, it should start to fund itself. And then gradually, as I say, the more contracts and clients that Fika wins and engages with, uh, it should actually start be- becoming profitable, which means that then we can scale up. So, yep. you know, as, I, as as I say, it's not not profit making, it's not about making money, but I, I guess by scaling up, we can get more people through the scheme and back into a
0: Brilliant, yeah. And where did the name Fika come from?
1: Uh, right, well, Fika is a Swedish word, and it basically means, in, in Sweden, they it basically means that the Swedes come together normally twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and they, they take time with one another uh, to share a cup of coffee and a little bite to eat. Right. So Fika, for me, just seemed a really fitting name for a company because, I I mean, firstly, I didn't want to call my company after my name, you know, Walker uh, Walker Catering or anything like that. I wanted yep. it to, to, to be something else. And Fika, especially post-pandemic, you know, in our hospitality world, we know that food and drink brings people together. But I think post-pandemic, that's going to be even more important where You know, with people working more flexibly, people working from home a couple of days a week, I think when clients do encourage people back in for a certain number of days a week, then they're going to be wanting to collaborate and work on projects. And more so than ever before, that kind of social interaction over coffee is going to be even more important. So, yeah, so, you know, we're not going to force it on clients if they've already got things in place and they're happy with their culture. That's absolutely fine. But one of the things that we do offer is, you know, the support and the encouragement to adopt this speaker culture of bringing their people together and, you know, through food and drink.
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, that's 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 brilliant. Very clever. And you're educating people as well, because I have yeah. no idea what that meant.
1: <laughs> well, I'll probably after this, I'll probably get, you know, a load of Swedish people kind of call, call you in saying, it's got it wrong, you know, he's not accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <good>. but. Um, <laughs> you know I am I'm English I'm not Swedish but you know that's that's my fundamental understanding and and there's a lot of facts and figures around the benefits of, of people stopping work you know and having that kind of 15 20 minute break and sharing time with each other there's a lot of a lot of benefits to doing that for, for yeah. businesses
0: Yeah you just keep people sharp right keep keep them yeah. they don't get they get less fatigued uh, across yeah. the day but uh, yeah. yeah well yeah. Look, I w- I wish you all the the very best with with both of your your enterprises. I th- I think it sounds really really exciting, and I, I I love how kind of one feeds the other and vice versa. All going well down the line, yeah. as well. And yeah, I, I I just wish you every success with that. Thank
1: you very much. Thank okay. you, Phil. Thanks, thanks
0: for having me on. Yeah, no worries at all. Actually, before you go, mm. I do I always ask people this because I'm always intrigued to know: are there are there any Funny stories that you can share with us from your career so far, shareable.
1: Oh, shareable! Funny stories. Um, let me have think. I, I mean, I, am only going to implicate myself here rather than bring other people into it because that's probably not fair. <laughs> I do, I, I do remember in one of the locations that I ran in my very early days, we had a bit of a, a rodent problem and i remember coming in first first person one one day and seeing this dead i'm not sure if it was a very big mouse or a very small rat i'm not too sure right. and i thought i thought it was dead and i thought it'd be funny to to pick it up and leave it on the head chef's desk <laughs> and and she went mental and actually i actually got fired from that job only only to be offered you know offered my job back the, the following day, it was kind of just a bit of a wake-up call. You know, right. that you don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a funny story or it's, uh, I guess, a naive story from when I was a little
0: bit younger. Yeah, but that's usually when the uh, the funny stories are at their most ripe. Is that uh, <laughs> or rife? Sorry, not ripe. um When um, when you're going through that that sort of upward trajectory of learning, when you don't know what you don't know, kind of no. <laughs> scenario. But um no, that that definitely counts. Definitely counts yeah (laughs) yeah um and what would you what would you say to somebody who was contemplating a career in hospitality
1: um i i think i would initially i would firstly just make sure that you want to go into a career which is about people because ultimately you know there's no getting away from it hospitality is about serving people and i think if you know if, if you're just not naturally that sort of person, then I think you' probably need to look at a different career tell me if, do, you, do you agree with that phil
0: yeah i i i think you you you've fundamentally got to uh, deep within yourself have this desire to to do stuff with people and and that's yeah. you know whether that's bringing out the best in them or whether that's just serving you know they do say that there's no more honorable way to make a living than than putting yourself into the service of others.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I and definitely and think,
0: you've sorry, on you go. No, go on. I was just going to say, I think you've, you've got to wake up and actually just fundamentally like being around and uh, and helping people. I think it's just a, it's a really great place to start.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I think if you're, you know, it's human interaction is massively important. So if you're going to start a career in hospitality and you want to be part of that, there's a couple of key key things that, that, that I think um, you know you will give back to you if you give it in uh, as part of going into hospitality. One is that hospitality is about enhancing people's lives. So it doesn't matter, you know, whether that's as you said, people you're working with or people that you're serving in terms of customers or clients. you enhanced. You got you've got an opportunity to enhance somebody's life if you've got that right mindset uh, and attitude. Um, and and uh, somebody, uh, a close friend of mine, bought me a book uh, not too long ago, which which was "The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari" by Robin Sharma. Right. And in there, it talks a little bit about true happiness. And you know, obviously, this is open to to lots of different ideas. But in this book, it talks about true happiness coming from serving others, and you can't get true happiness, you know, without that. And I, I think that sums up hospitality for me. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not, you know, it's not about money necessarily. It's, uh, it's, it's not, those types of things are not ultimately going to make you happy. However, having that attitude to serve, which we do in hospitality, that, that can potentially, I think, give you true happiness.
0: Yeah. Well, again, you're, you're, you're coming up with some cracking responses today. That's, uh, that's <laughs> another belter. Um, <laughs> But it's true. I mean, I I think it, you know it's quite simple in its concept. But you know, there's a a a lot of people don't. I mean, basically, take a look at what you're doing yourself, right? You've you've just created an enterprise which is about doing something that's much bigger than yourself um, and giving back. And and I know that's a a term that's kind of used willy nilly. But um, but you know, you've you are actually doing something which is putting yourself into the service of others. Mm. You know, and that's that's not even withstanding all of the the, the people you're going to help in, enhance their life in the workplace and in you know their workplaces by uh, by contracts that you win etc et etc cetera, et cetera. so I, I totally get what you're saying
1: yeah I, I think I think um, you know the younger generation especially are looking for more purpose um, and I think yeah. when they're look, you know when they're looking for companies uh, to work for they're looking at their culture they're looking at their purpose they're not, the first thing they're looking at isn't, isn't what, how much money am I going to be paid? Or, you know, how quickly can I climb the ladder in this company? You know, I, I, I think there is a bit of a reset going on there. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, hopefully in some ways that could help hospitality because as, as, as you said, and as I've said, it's about serving people. And if you can, if you get the opportunity to serve and to, as I said, enhance somebody's life somehow, I think that's a massive purpose, you know, to be able to tick off in your own life.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, now. Any time that you're you're founding a, an organization, that you have to put into your plan. How is it that you're going to save the world? Yeah, and I don't mean that we're solely going to be responsible to save the world, but what are you do, what's what's that little bit that you're doing to make yeah. the world a better place?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think if you if you join a company which hasn't got that. Then I think, I think again, the facts and figures kind of show that the uh, the amount of time that that people work for those companies is vastly reduced. Um, yeah. So no, I mean, it's from my point of view, that's all positive. You know, the more more companies that jump on that, the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Well, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about what you're doing, what is the best method for them to do that?
1: Uh, I think directly through LinkedIn, uh, Ed Walker, and uh, and I can uh, liaise with you, you know, through through email and, and through phone from there. Yeah, perfect. My I might as well say as well, my website is um That's probably the best one to go through, and then we've also got Bloom as an attachment onto that. So
0: yeah, and I'll uh, I'll put all these links in the the show notes uh, for people to to find as well. But no, thanks very much for coming on, Ed. It's been a, a really interesting chat and I wish you all the very best for, for the next year and beyond.
1: Thanks very much, Bill. Appreciate that. You're very
0: welcome. Take care.
1: Cheers, you too. Bye-bye. Cheers now. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And there we have it. A wonderful journey from Ed demonstrating that it really is liberating to follow your passions and two amazing ideas to move forward with. We wish Ed all the very best for the future. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.